Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together, things that the body has, like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's Mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's MineralHealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. I have been looking forward to this show, folks, for a long time. Everybody knows I'm a diehard Bulls fan. Everybody knows I've been a Bulls fan since the uh, Bulls first came, their first season, 1966. I bleed Chicago red. And uh, my beloved Bulls, they've been terrible. Everybody also knows that for the last at least five years. I've lost count of how long it's been since they were actually even remotely mediocre. But, uh, of course, they're the subject of The Last Dance which is probably the most popular show on streaming these days. And so it gives me an opportunity to talk Bulls. So I said, I'm going back in time to one of my closest friends, my dear friend, the great Kevin Blackstone. Welcome to my show, Kevin. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> we are in the attic. Well, <laughs> Kevin is technically not in the attic. We're social distancing. Uh, so... Folks out there probably know Kevin Blackstone is a sports writer, sports columnist for the Washington Post. Uh, he's a professor at the University of Maryland, and uh, he is uh, one of the stars of the ESPN show Around the Horn. But before he was any of those things, he was a skinny <laughs> kid from Washington. 
<laughs> uh, he loves his Washington sports teams fan. Oh, he knows that. Absolutely. Uh, did, wait, now, Kevin, let me ask you this before we go. Do you even pretend to be, quote unquote, objective when it comes to Washington sports teams? Of course team? not. Objective? No, of course not. Are you kidding me? If you've got a W on your chest, I'm pulling for you. I don't care. I don't care who you're playing. I'm pulling for you. Well, the, the only team that takes that takes any presence over a Washington team is a Northwestern team. That's the, that's the only time. Only time. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Kevin made this decision in the late 70s that he would be pr- 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 continue his scholarly pursuits at Northwestern. And so he left his beloved Washington and moved to Evanston, Illinois. Uh, <laughs> Picked one, of the, one of the worst teams to follow. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we can talk. You about live that. there? Come on. You're a fan. You know you have some purple in your blood. I am a diehard Northwestern Wildcat. I didn't go to Northwestern, but I grew up in Evanston, and my father taught at Northwestern, and I was just a – from the moment I moved to Evanston in 1966, Kevin, you know this, I was like a towny Northwestern fan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, oh. So can I just tell this one little anecdote before we go to Bulls, uh, and then you explain sure. this one. Because it's funny, my I met Kevin. We both worked for uh, the Chicago Reporter uh, back in the early '80s. I met him. I want to say, Kevin, you, you, you. It was your second stint. You started in September of 1983, and I remember meeting. I think that's that's right. Yeah. Um, and right thereafter, Kevin is a diehard Washington fan, as I said. I, I don't know what to call the team. I refuse to call them by the name they use. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I really have a hard time with that team as a result. Well, I never really liked them anyway. But um, the Washington, whatever they are, football team, uh, you were such a diehard fan. Didn't you? My uh, Oh, Tell the story about you went to a motel or something to watch them play. Talk about that story. Oh sure, oh absolutely. I'm sitting in my I'm, I'm sitting in my apartment up on the north side, Rogers Park, uh, Sheridan and Howard. Everybody knows the fine neighborhood. And uh, I'm I'm watching an afternoon NFL game, and there was a big Washington Dallas game on at like you know four o'clock, and or maybe I guess three o'clock uh, Chicago time. And so I'm sitting there waiting for this game to come on, and all of a sudden some other programming comes on at 3 o'clock. So I called the network, I believe it was CBS, and I said, excuse me, <laughs> we got a big game going on here. Why is it not on? And they said, well, because of the blackout rule. You got the Bears game first, and so you don't get a game after it. I said, well, that doesn't help me out. Where can I, I got to see this game. Where can I see this game? Where's the closest place? And so uh, they looked it up for a minute, and they came back, and I believe they said, oh, boy, it was someplace west, way west of Chicago. I want to say Rock- I can't was it Rockford, the- Illinois? It was what? Exactly. It was Rockford, Illinois. I said, are you sure? They said, absolutely. You can see it in Rockford. So I called up my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I said, hey, what are you doing? And she said, of course, nothing. I said, we're going to Rockford. <laughs> I hopped in my car. And drove 100 miles an hour to get to Rockford. And the first motel I saw on the side of the road, pulled off, got a room, went in, and watched the game. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You got, I mean, I, what, what was I supposed to do? 
to sit around and wait for it to come on the news in the evening? Who won? No, you got to see your team. Did they win? <laughs> uh, I think they came up a little short that afternoon. Mm. Wait, wait, so what, what do you call that? You, uh, we, I just call them Washington, the Washington football team. That's what I call them. And I, and I stopped. I backed off of the name in probably in the late 1990s. I'll tell you a brief story about that. Mm-hmm. So in 1990, uh, 1992, I went to the Super Bowl watching play in Buffalo. And I went as a fan because I, I told my boss, look, I just want to go for the weekend as a fan. I want to cover the game. He said, fine. So I go there, and we're walking into the game. Um, and we're a couple blocks from the stadium. And outside, there's a big commotion on a corner. I go over to see what it is, and it, it is a large gathering of what appear to be Native people protesting against the name. And I'm all decked out in burgundy and gold, names emblazoned all over me. And I don't think much of it until a few years later when I was writing a column about Midland Lee High School in Midland, Texas. Mm-hmm. And the NAACP was trying to get Midland to get rid of all the Confederate imagery that they had associated with the team because a lot of the, the cause a lot of the stars of the team were black kids and they didn't want their kids dressing up like like uh, Confederate soldiers. Mm-hmm. And at that point I thought back to what I had seen in Minnesota and I said, wait a second. I'm pissed off about the same thing that native folks were kicked off about when I saw them in Minnesota. And I started to put the two and two together and slowly thereafter I started trying to cleanse myself of, of using the name. Do you still root for the story. Uh, you know, um, I, I, uh, I don't, I, and I never thought that that would, would happen. I don't root against them, but I really don't. My fanaticism for them has been, has been, um, uh, has, has eroded, um, because of the obstinance of Dan Snyder when it comes to this issue. He's the owner. And, uh, yeah, he's the owner. He's the owner of the team. And, you know, he sounded like George Wallace standing, standing in the schoolhouse door. Uh, several years ago when he said he would never change the name and you could put that in all caps. So, um, I've, uh, I've, yeah, I've, my, all my fanaticism now is with the baseball team, which, as you know, has a World Series championship. I'll tell you about that later. Um, wait, with the, <laughs> the hockey team. Wait, with, the, the, the baseball hey, team I'm, that's managed by a former Chicago Cub, that baseball team? I just want to make sure I got that one. Yes, they won the. They, yes, that's right. They get that down. By the way, they won despite his managerial <laughs> talent. I want to say, but that's another story for another time on the Ben Jarrett detail. All right. <laughs> uh, and you root for the hockey team and uh, the women's. Oh yes, we won the Stanley team. Cup just a couple years ago. The the Mystics, the women's uh, team, WNBA team. They also won the championship. Like this is championship city here. Yeah. D.C. District of Champions. <laughs> all right. Huh. Hold Get on. That straight. Let me. I'm going to do a count now of everybody in the city of Chicago who cares about that hockey team. Nope. Nobody. <laughs> no one cares about that hockey team. All right. Nope. I'm a, anybody out there care? I'm in my attic looking at yelling at the alley. Nope. No one cares about that hockey team. So, uh, by the way, I have to tell you, and I know we're supposed to be talking about the Bulls, but I just, you know, we're on a tangent within a tangent. I feel the same way yeah. about my beloved Chicago Cubs. And, you know, Kevin. Uh, knows how much I love the Cubs because back in the day when we were working at the Reporter together, we would be known to sneak out to Cub games from time to time. 
they played during the day. So, hey, we got a real important interview to do. And then we go, Kevin and I would go to the Wrigley Field, sit in the bleachers. But I'm through with them. Uh, Kevin, they're 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 owned by the Ricketts family, and the Ricketts family. Uh, we know that. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're Daddy Joe Ricketts, big supporter of Donald Trump. So, I can't deal with the Cubs uh, at this moment. So I uh, I, I understand. Yeah, at least I got the White Sox to. to well, I don't have anything with the the pandemic, but that's a whole other. What I do have, and that's we'll another get, story. We'll get to the whole point of this is uh, the Last Dance which, of course, is the um, ESPN uh, special about uh, the Chicago Bulls, series about the Chicago Bulls. The first two episodes dropped on Sunday. We still have eight more to go. So I think the uh, this series is longer than the season. Um, uh, so- yeah, it is. I just, want to point, I just want to point something out here. Ken Burns did a 14-series piece on the Roosevelt. There are three Roosevelts, including <laughs> Eleanor, who basically dominated the first half of the last century politically in this country. They only got 14 episodes between the three of them. Jordan's getting 10. <laughs> this is amazing. This is 10. Got like 20 years. Okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to point No, out. I'm with you 100%. Context. Now, before we – I really want to go back in time uh, to talk about the Bulls uh, in, the, uh, in those early 80s when you and I were going to games together. Sure. But before we do that – what are your general thoughts about why Michael Jeffrey Jordan decided that he would greenlight this project? Because from what, everything I've read, Kevin, Jordan, this is a Jordan project, basically. I mean, he's not literally right. the director, but his cohorts are some of the producers. Uh, he he sure. essentially gave it a, had approval over the whole thing. Why do you think he chose this time to greenlight this thing? Um, just you know, I, I think he just has a narcissistic streak in him. Um, and and I wouldn't say it's com- a completely negative observation, but, uh, you know, he's been old and he believes and he played like he was the greatest basketball player that there ever was. And, you know, he, he descended upon our consciousness at the confluence of ESPN, when he was in North Carolina, um, the explosion with Nike, um, and the explosion within the NBA that was brought about by Magic and Bird in 79. So, uh, I mean, I think he thinks very highly of himself. And we saw some of that in his um, acceptance speech, right, mm-hmm. for, the, for the Hall of Fame. So I think this this is personality. I'm sure that you know ESPN went to him and said, "Hey, we want to do a we want to do an opus on you. Would you be up for that?" And he should, and I'm sure he said, "Absolutely. This is this has never been done before. I mean, we had the OJ thing, but that was different. This is this is so far um, a celebration of of Michael Jordan. Now I understand, and you probably heard that there's some bits and pieces that are supposed to come out." in the next eight episodes at some point and maybe are not so flattering. Um, but this is, this is not one of them. Well, if, if they're not so flattering, uh, he signed off on them and then he gets to comment on them. That's uh, my understanding of how it's going to go. So uh, yeah, my, my guess is uh, you're, you're right. And I'll add to that. He, 
he just wanted to let the world know that LeBron James is not the best basketball player in the world, that there was a guy in the 90s named right. Michael Jordan. Exactly. And mentioning that, you know, we should, we should also point out that ESPN ceded editorial control to LeBron James for his decision, right? Oh. They let him run that whole special to say where he was going, and it was an absolute mess, yeah. I thought. Um, journalistically, you don't do those sorts of things. And I wrote about it at the time and got into an argument on the phone with ESPN executives about it at the time. Um, but it appears that they've done that um, again so far with this. Because right now, the first two episodes to me are pure hagiography. Well, uh, all right. L- let me just deal with both things. Uh, the first two episodes uh, and uh, their saint-like mm-hmm. uh Adoration of Michael Jeffrey Jordan uh, and the decision. Yeah. All right. Now, for our uh, listeners who may not know, the decision was a TV show that ran in the summer of 2010 during the free agency uh, period, and which LeBron James announced where he was going uh, to play uh, next. He had been a Cleveland Cavalier. Mm-hmm. He was a free agent. He was being courted by the Miami Heat. He was being courted by his the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he was being uh, courted by my beloved Chicago Bulls. Those were the three teams that were in contention. And there was a great journalistic outcry at the time that Kevin's alluding to, and he was part of the reason there was this outcry, about uh, the fact that ESPN allowed itself to be used as a promotion vehicle for LeBron James and denigrated their journalistic integrity by doing that. And so a lot of people who were opposed uh, to the decision, the TV show, uh, as a Chicago Bulls fan, I had a much stronger opposition to his literal decision. (laughs) Man, you couldn't come to Chicago. (laughs) But of course, why would he come to Chicago and, have to follow in the in the sixth footprint yes. of Michael Jordan. Right. Right. So do you and agree play with me? in a stadium with a with yeah. Do you agree with me and and feel free to vigorously dif- disagree with me if you want that he and D Wade during 2010 just used Chicago as the chumps we are to get more money from Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. I'm sure that was, you know, I'm I'm sure that was part of it, but, you know, quite frankly, at the time, they had a lot more to offer and a lot easier path to the glory than did the Bulls at the time. <laughs> I mean, they had already won a championship. I mean, let's just <laughs> break it down. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal had not chosen Chicago to play with anyone and bring a championship. Dwayne Wade, and it was Miami and, and, and all of that, so... Um, it's my recollection of it at the time was that it was going to be, it was going to be, uh, Miami or bust. Well, it sure, it certainly wasn't Chicago. That's for certain. I was so mad. I, I, I hated on LeBron James and the Miami heat for about four years. I didn't finally <laughs> forgive him until he left Miami and went back to Cleveland. Oh God, did I hate on the heat? <laughs> Um, all right, now before we go back to uh, the '84 season, do you think Michael Jeffrey Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time? No, I do not. I would think that to me, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Luel Sindor, uh, the things that he did um, uh, in college, um, uh, the fact that he uh, uh, was the one 
black athlete who uh, did not go to the 68 Olympics. I said he was going to hang behind to teach kids back in Harlem. Um, what he did when he got to the NBA, uh, all the records that he set, um, the fact that he perfected a shot that no one else has come close to being able to replicate. I mean, a complete, um, uh, he, I mean, he, he improvised like a great jazz musician. Um, notes that other people just were not able to, 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 to strike. Um, and, uh, so I think, so for me, um, it, it's always been Lou Alcindor slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The greatest of all time. The greatest. Uh, and, greatest time. uh, uh, I would have to say, see, I look at it a little differently, uh, Kevin, y- you're making a cogent argument for on the court. Uh, well, you also talked off the court as well, but I'm to, almost talking off the court. Yeah. You're talking off yep, the court. I'm also talking off the yeah. Court. You're also talking to me it's a persona. And so for me, the greatest of all time will be the basketball player that in my mind as, as a kid was just like an overwhelming Superman presence who, I just idolized because he just was so much, he towered over everyone. And that, of course, is Will Chamberlain. Sure. Yeah. Now, if you go to Philadelphia and you run into uh, Sonny Hill, who is a basketball legend in Philadelphia, and you ask him who's the greatest basketball player ever, he's going to tell you Will Chamberlain immediately, with, without fail. Um, and he has his reasons. And you look at some of the things that Will Chamberlain did, the numbers that he put up that will never, ever be matched. Um, uh, it, it's hard to argue with him, but yeah, but for me, it's going to be, it, it's going to be Jabbar. And I mean, just in, you know, he's too far in the memory bank now, but you can watch him play basketball on YouTube in color. I mean, and he was playing in the nineties. So, uh, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a heck of a long career. I guess his last season was 90, um, 89, 90. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's him and Jordan. I can put Jordan second. Absolutely. Uh, did, did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually made it to the 90 season? I don't think so. Yeah, well, then his last season was 89. I always forget if it was 89, 90, or he was hurt or something. Maybe his last season was 89. Yeah, I think Maybe it was 89. Was I think Divac was the center in 90, but whatever. It's, uh, only a geek would even <laughs> know something like that. <laughs> Uh, but all right. So having said, uh, Will Chamberlain will always in my mind's eye will always be the the, the greatest. Uh, I've no, okay. Michael Jordan is my favorite basketball player because he brought my beloved Bulls six championships. So I'm like most Chicagoans, uh, Kevin. Even when Michael Jordan does something wrong, I'm like, you know, that's true. But yeah, got six rings. Yeah, they got six rings, okay? All right? Uh, and so I like I rooted against the Golden State War- Warriors when they beat the oh, – I could not stand when they beat the um, Bulls record for one, most wins in a season. Yeah. And I was so happy yeah. when LeBron – that's probably why I forgave LeBron James because he beat him. In the, uh, he sure did. He sure did, man. Well, I had a little help from Kyrie. But um, all right, so let's go back in time to 1984 and as i said you moved to chicago uh to take the job yep. at uh the reporter in 1983 you're a very young man 
And the Bulls in 1983-84 Bulls, that was the year before uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan uh, was drafted. So I am right. go- I am going to run down. I did the I did a little research for this uh, interview, uh, and you and I went to several games together. I know in that first year, we both we sure. we, we met and we realized we were both sports fanatics, and uh, so we went to the stadium together. The I'm just going to read off the list of. <laughs> the Bulls roster, okay, in 83-84, all right? This is the year before, Michael. I guarantee you, Kevin, ESPN is not going to be doing a special on the 84 Bulls. Wallace Bryant, Dave Corzine. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dave Corzine, yeah. of course. Dave Corzine, yeah. From, okay. DePa- from DePaul. He went to DePaul. DePaul, yeah. Uh, and let's just take a little moment to talk about this next name. Quentin Daly. Q Daly. Q, baby. Q. <laughs> Let me give you the Q history, okay? Out of Baltimore, Maryland, all right? Played on the first uh, um, all-star team, high school all-star team in the McDonald's all-star game to the local team to defeat the the um, the U.S. team right here in Washington, D.C. at the Cap Center. That's right. Quentin Daly. Wait, Quentin Daly's from Baltimore? Absolutely. I did, yeah. I did not know yeah. that. He's from Baltimore. Because I know he went to college from, in San Francisco. So I always thought of him as a West Coast. He went Coast to college player. in San Francisco. That's right. Got drafted there despite John Shulian's excoriating column in the Chicago Sun-Times about why he shouldn't be there because of the uh, the sexual assault incident out in San Francisco, which caused me to write a letter to John Shulian, which caused him to write me back. But that's a story for another time. I remember yeah, all this. Days. Yes, he was accused yeah. of sexual assault, and John Shul- what yep. John Shulian, who's a columnist for the Sun Times, he what did he? I I'm, the, these details are fuzzy in my mind. He, Shulian wrote a column saying right. that the Bulls should not have drafted him, right? And then and that they I don't even think they had drafted him at that time, but that they shouldn't draft him, you know, because he was a menace to society. And you remember, I think the women's groups were marching on the were like threatening to march on the stadium and and everything and I, and I don't remember all the all the all the details but I just remember being I just thought it was at that time just way overblown um so yeah 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 Quentin Daly Quentin Daly and uh yeah his basketball career flamed out uh and he was <clears throat> he was the one who was eating on the bench right yeah, he uh, ordered a hot dog or uh, popcorn or something from a vendor, realized he didn't have the money in his uh, basketball shorts and bumped some from uh, one of the guys on press row. <laughs> Pay for it. Hey, guy's got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got to eat. That's true. You can't play the game on an empty stomach. <laughs> Uh, guys gotta eat. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll move on from Q Daily. Sydney Green. You remember Sydney Green? Sydney Green out of UNLV, I believe. Wow. Very good. Um, played for Tartanian out there. Yeah. Sydney Green, very skilled player. I forget where he was from. He, his career, um, his career should have been better. I think we expected more out of Sydney Green. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't remember how I, I don't remember how he played out. I just remember it didn't play out as, as good as it should have. Well, I'll tell you this about Sidney Green. He was, I believe, he's uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, 
I'm doing this off the top of my head, so don't quote me. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's from Brooklyn, New York. And you're absolutely right. He went to UNLV. And he was the Bulls' number one pick uh, in the 83 yeah. draft. In the, so he was a rookie yep. this year, and that year, uh, that first year. And he was, uh, he was the number one pick that the Bulls had. And um, I looked this up, Kevin, so follow me on this. Mm-hmm. I, I actually took a look at the Bulls. This is how I spent my time uh, in between shows. So he was the Bulls' number one pick. He was the fifth pick overall in the 83 mm-hmm. draft. And the Bulls could have had Dale Ellis. They could have taken Dale Ellis. Oh, I love Dale oh, Ellis. what a sharpshooter. Yeah, sharpshooter. And he eventually played with Dallas when you were down there, right? He played for Dallas. Yep, and, then, uh, yep, and Seattle. And mm-hmm. here's this one is really a trippy thing. They could have taken Clyde Drexler. Oh, oh! Aren't you lucky they didn't? I know. <laughs> right? Yep, absolutely. You take Clyde Drexler, you probably do not take Jordan, which uh, is the argument up in Portland as to why they didn't take Jordan because they already had Clyde Drexler. Right. They wanted a big guy. So I am sure. That there was a game that you and I went to, and I'm sure we were sitting in the second balcony because that's where we always sat when we went to games because those were the cheap yeah, seats. Because we, we worked here. Exactly. <laughs> we worked for a nonprofit. We were made of money. <laughs> and I'm sure during that game, I'm watching Sidney Green drop balls, <laughs> and I'm going, God damn, I wish the Bulls had drafted Clyde Drexler. <laughs> I can't remember this because I put it out of my mind. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure that was happening. Absolutely. That that would have been you. That would have been me. And And you would have had no sympathy. I would have been looking at the schedule going, no, of course not. I'd be looking at the schedule going, man, where are the bullets coming to town? I want to see Greg Ballard. Oh, the bullets. Anyway, I'll just finish this great lineup of the team that preceded Jordan. David Greenwood was uh, on that team. And uh, he, hmm, okay. you remember him from UCLA? Uh, Rod, yeah. Hig- Rod Higgins was on that team, and Jordan, he became great friends. Okay. Jordan hired him yeah. later. At, uh, a guy named Steve Johnson was on that team. Ronnie Lester was on that team. Ronnie Lester, I remember him. Oh, Ronnie Lester, yeah, 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 yeah. out of Iowa, right? He played out of Iowa, and I believe he went to DeSable. He's from Chicago. Ronnie Lester is wow. from Chicago. Okay. Uh, Juwan Oldham was on that team. Uh, Enos Watley Ooh. was a uh, Enos, Enos Watley. Yes. Enos Watley is my next door neighbor's golf partner. I did not know that. Now, put that one on. <laughs> I had to think about that. Uh, Orla- <laughs> now, here you go. Orlando Woolridge is on that team. Uh, he was the, one of the stars of that team. Solid. But he wasn't yeah. the star of the team, and the star was Reggie Theus. Your thoughts Reggie on Reggie Theus? Theus. Well, I remember. He couldn't get on the court because he got into a beef with the coach. Yes. And we'd go to games, and we would chant, <laughs> Reggie, Reggie. <laughs> Yeah. How can you not play the best player on your team? I don't know. How what could are you, you all do it? How could you not draft Clyde Drexler? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's the Bulls. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I'll tell you this, man. I uh, There's another guy who's on that team, Mitchell Wiggins. And his son is now in the NBA. Mitchell Wiggins. 
his son. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, um, Andrew Wiggins sure. was plays for. Andrew uh, Wiggins. Yeah, Mitchell Wiggins from Florida was on the Bulls, and that terrible team. And so they uh, drafted Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and you went to the first game Jordan ever played at the stadium. I remember this so clearly. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, I went. I didn't go to see Jordan. I went to see the Bullets. The Bullets was the Bullets opener. That's what I went to see. I didn't care about Jordan. I saw him on TV. So, yeah, I went to the game with um, with uh, one of our uh, work colleagues, um, Ed Bergstrasser, big Ed Bergstrasser, who is a very boisterous fellow, by the way, yes. as you well know. Yes. Um, big sports fan who once got us uh, uh, kicked out of seats in Comiskey Park because he was yelling at Ruby and uh, what was it, uh, Ribby and Lubar? The, the mascots. Um, <laughs> yeah, the mascots for whom he had drafted a petition to have removed as the mascot. Um, <laughs> so at any rate, <laughs> he gets tickets. He had four tickets. And uh, my roommate, uh, Tony Overton, uh, went um, with me. And I can't remember who was in the, in the fourth seat. Um, but, yeah, we, we go to the game, NBA season opener. Um, my bullet in the red, white, and blue, um, five or six years removed from having won it all in the uh, NBA. Um, and, uh, you know, we're ready for a good game. And this Jordan character comes out there, and, you know, he's looking good, and he makes some shots and makes some moves. And I think he scored about, I think he scored about 16, 18 points. Does that sound about right? Yeah, 16, I think um, is right, yeah. 16. Yeah, so he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't spectacular, but he certainly was not um, bad. Um, and it was a close game, and I want to say I walked away disappointed. I think the Bulls eked out a uh, eked out a victory now. Um, but yeah, I was there. But who knew at the time that I was witnessing the first game in NBA history of a person who would be the subject of a ten-part <laughs> series? on ESPN a generation or so later. Unbelievable. So when did it uh, – I remember being very envious that you went to the game and I and I didn't. I forget why I couldn't go. I'm sh- I, yeah, I didn't. I, I, it was, I, I knew <laughs> it was some, like, dumb ex- reason, that some obligation I had, and I was so envious that uh-huh. I didn't get to go. I know. I, I went very – those days it wasn't hard to get tickets at all uh, for Bulls games. Uh, no. At <laughs> the old Chicago no, Stadium. Uh, so, all right, so when did you first come to the realization, with all, even with all your Washington bias, that Jordan was the real deal? Well, I mean, I got to say I thought so in college. I mean, when he hit the, when he hit the shot against um, Georgetown in the final four championship game, I mean, he was so smooth and he was so – he was you could tell he was just so gifted. Um, you thought he was going to be a really, really good, good player. Um, I mean, really good player coming from North Carolina. I mean, you know, he was, he, he was, he was special, but I mean, a lot of special players are coming to the NBA, right? So, so was he going to be a, a, a bird or Magic Johnson? I don't think I was, I don't think I was predicting that. Was it going to be an all-star? Yeah, you could probably, you could probably see that. But then again, you know, there a lot of guys become all-stars at some point at some point along the way. But as that rookie season began to unfold and you begin to see highlights of what he was doing around the league, you had to step back for a second and say, uh-oh, this guy, 
this guy is the real, you know, he's the real deal. And remember, the league at that time was still, um, there was still a lot of emphasis on the big man in the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and Jordan was just, it, did, it just didn't, you know, it just didn't matter. I mean, he was, he was, he was able to, to beat anybody and jump over people and dunk on them and hang in the air and go around them. And, you know, he had a lot of, uh, you know, he had, he had some Dr. J to him. Um, he had, um, he had some Drexler in him. Um, he could handle the ball. I mean, he was, you know, he was special, but then, but, but, you know, you, you're still, you're still not thinking he's going to arguably go down as the greatest player of all time. At least uh, I wasn't. Yeah. I, well, first of all, let me just say, I, even though in, uh, Will Chamberlain is like the greatest, I, I feel right. like Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. In my mind, when I, when I just say the greatest, I'm just thinking of like larger than life characters that, Dominated my imagination. I do believe that uh, Jordan is the greatest of all time. All right, so you must have changed your attitude. Uh, and I know I remember <laughs> going to games with you. And let's just talk for a moment about going to the stadium back in the day. Before I get to the next oh. time raise, uh, I, I oh. tend to romanticize going to the stadium in the day, but I don't know. It's a special place to me. What was your uh, what's your reaction? What's your thoughts about the stadium back in the day? Oh no, I like I like the stadium. I like all of those old places. I like the stadium. I like the old Boston Garden. Um, you know, uh, uh, all those old stadiums. There's just something. There's just something funny about them, and you know, and they, you you were tight. You were you were hovering over the hovering over the players. Now I must say, I didn't much appreciate obstructed view seats, <laughs> except for the price. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, you know, there was certainly a. I mean, I, I won't say I don't say it was, I won't say it was charming, but you knew you were walking in history, right? Yeah. You know, like, like for for me, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't until a few years after that. But then I think I first read a book or read something about Major Taylor, who at the turn of the last century was one of the highest paid athletes in the in the country, and he was a cyclist. And one of the places where they used to hold pro cycling events at that time, and he's black, Major Taylor, was at Chicago Stadium. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was that, you know, it had that history to it. Um, just like Comiskey did for black all-star games. And then we used to walk into the old Comiskey, and they had the portraits of, of um, Negro League baseball players um, near the near the main entrance. So, yeah, I mean, so that was, you know, that was, that was cool. I mean, I you know I, I I like that, and I remember I remember covering the Jordan's first um, uh, final game um, in 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 the stadium, and being on the floor. You know, all the all the other times I was there as a fan, sitting in the upper deck, and now I'm on the floor, and you really get a sense of how tight the place was. Yeah. I mean, the crowd was right on top of you. There's no place to move, no room to breathe. It was, it was, it was tremendous. Yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That that, uh, that when the stadium, most of the time I went to the stadium uh, with you or other friends, Kevin, it was empty. It, and uh, right. you know, you could stretch out. You have to, but there were some games. The '73 uh, 
playoff games I went to to see uh, when they played the Lakers, and that place was packed. Mm. And uh, you're right, it's so crowded, it, it, and it would yeah. be so loud. Uh, and and people, you were allowed to smoke in there then. It was smoky. And um, oh, it was yeah, and not just tobacco smoke. I might add. No man in the second balcony. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing, Kevin. Uh, in the seventies, this whole thing about Colin Kaepernick always made me laugh because he got you know uh, not standing for the national anthem. If you stood in the second balcony at the na- in the seventies, people are like, what are you standing for? Uh, yeah, I'm just stretching. Uh, uh, all right, so you must have gotten a wind that Jordan was going to be great by the mid uh, middle of the eighty four eighty five season because you. Uh, Got tickets, yeah, to see Jordan yeah. in the All Star Game, uh, which was in Indiana. Talk about that. Your great venture as a ticket scalper. Oh yeah, so you know it's 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 that's a Hoosier Dome. I'm like, oh, man, the NBA All Star Game down the street at the Hoosier Dome. There'll be like you know fifty thousand seats, and so you don't have to go to a lottery. You don't have to do all that. You can go buy a bunch of tickets. And then, you know, if you want to, you can sell them to your friends or you can sell them to the highest bidder. <laughs> so I remember I went out and bought 10 tickets. Oh, I was going big time. I was going to become, I was going to become the ticket scalper <laughs> at the Hoosier Dome. And, uh, and I, I, I sold at face value a pair to you, your lovely wife, Pam, mm-hmm. and uh, my roommate, Keo, my sidekick. He bought one. Uh, another friend of mine whose name, last name was Casey, his name was Mark. We used to play basketball together. He said he was going to buy one. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the others, I was trying to sell them to friends and that didn't happen. So I was going to carry them down there, uh, which I did. We tried to dump them and that didn't happen. And so my ticket scalping experience, um, was pretty sour. Um, but we got to a we got to a legendary game, a game that is one of the few All Star games that is etched in NBA history. One of the few etched in NBA history, and uh, I mean we got to see Jordan's first All Star game. We got to see Isaiah Thomas win the um, uh, the MVP. Um, we got to see a game that was competitive because in the eighties they actually played they actually played relatively hard mm-hmm. and with some pride. I mean, it was it was great. Even Pam liked it, <laughs> right? Well, well, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we went. We, we, uh, as I recall, the seats were not exactly courtside seats. So uh, uh, I th- okay, okay, <laughs> all right. Maybe, so may, you may have <laughs> that, that may have been something to do with you not being able to sell them. But um, uh, okay, well, it was about being in the environment. All right, you you were soaking up the atmosphere. So it was me, you, uh, my wife, and Tony To. And I remember Pam and T.O. talking the whole game, chatting this and that, and you and I watching the game. And then, uh, yes, and I remember being, uh, what as a uh, Jordan fan, that was the game, the uh, the so-called freeze-out game, where... Uh, so right, but, we, I, but I don't think we knew it. At, we didn't know it at the time. I mean, it, it maybe became obvious as the game played out, but you didn't know, we didn't know we were walking into that. 
No, I did not know. I didn't know any of this until right. after the game. But this is right. the game, and I I remember at the time being disappointed in Jordan's performance, and I slept all the way down to Indianapolis, and I haven't been there since. Kevin, that was uh, 1985. <laughs> I've been back. Man, you hold a, when you hold a grudge against about somebody slighting your team or Jordan, you really hold a grudge. I hold a grudge. I'm going back to Indianapolis. Yeah, I blamed Indianapolis, and it's not Indianapolis's <laughs> fault. But but uh, supposedly Isaiah Thomas, who is from Chicago and was drafted by the Pistons, right. Um, and had supposedly had a grudge. I'm sure this will be in the documentary at some point. Uh, I cannot imagine them doing a 10-part special on Michael no. Jordan and not dealing with this. <laughs> uh, but right. supposedly uh, Isaiah Thomas was jealous, envious of Jordan, because Jordan was a star in his hometown, was getting all the love from uh, Chicago that Isaiah wasn't getting because he Isaiah was playing for the hated Pistons, the dreaded Pistons. They right. weren't as dreaded as they would right. become, but they were still pretty dreaded. And so uh, right. he uh, supposedly uh, engineered this freeze out of Jordan uh, where they were not going to pass on right. the ball. And uh, I remember during the game saying that Jordan's not getting the. My memory is complaining to you that Jordan's not getting the ball. Why aren't they giving the ball to Jordan? <laughs> and they didn't. And so the backstory to that is, is from David Falk. So David Falk, Jordan's agent, and I don't know if he's taking a taking a bullet for Jordan on this or not, but um, the, his story is is that um, before the dunk contest, I think it was, um, Jordan was in that, and uh, Jordan asked him what should he wear um, when they go out to warm up for the uh, for the dunk contest. And supposedly, uh, Falk told him, oh, just, just put your Nike stuff on. When everybody else had on their warm-ups from their team. And so they, so Falk's story is that everybody looked at Jordan as if Jordan thought he was somebody special. He was bigger than the league. He was bigger than the team. He could wear, he could wear the, he could wear the uniform of his, uh, of his, um, business partner in Nike and didn't have to, and, and, didn't have to do what all the other other guys were doing who were better. And so that's what Falk says was the seed, the 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 seed for the um for for the guys freezing him out to teach him a lesson. Hmm. Do you believe that? So I, What's that? Um, you know what? Uh I can see some of that. I I I'll say this. I'll say this. I would I would think that it added to it 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 added to the air that Jordan had coming into the coming into the league, because if you remember from the I can't remember if it was part one or part two of um, of the Last Dance, um, Jordan talks about and I, and I thought it was really interesting. He threw all the he threw the, his teammates under the bus in by talking about how remember he went to knock on the doors to yeah. find out. I don't know. Something's going on, and they open the and they open the door, and everybody is in in, in there is doing drugs, and they're women, and he's like, oh, "I'm not a part of this. I, I got nothing to do with this." And then he went on his way. Yeah. And they talked about how he was different and standoffish from everybody else on the team. You know, he he didn't go out to the clubs. 
he, he didn't even go out to eat with the guys. He's in his little apartment or whatever, making his own food. His mother's along for the ride oftentimes. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think all of that was in the, was in the pot to make people envious of, you know, of Jordan, which is not unusual in pro sports because if there's a hot rookie that comes in, um, someone everybody's talking about and still hasn't accomplished anything, uh, that's the way that veterans sometimes react. Yeah. And I think Michael Jordan just got, that was just a particularly severe. By the way, there was a, 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 one of the funnier bits in the opening segment uh, was when they were talking about Scottie Pippen's rookie year, and Scottie Pippen came and talked about how he was going to be dominating the Bulls. Charles Oakley, who was only in his third year, took him aside. They show him smacking him around like, you're a rookie. You don't have to, you know, I don't right. remember that part of the show. I, I got a kick yeah. out of that. Um, I, yeah. uh, well, I'm, I'm curious how the special will handle the all-star freeze. Uh, I do believe it's all part yep. of the Jordan legend that uh, it gave him just another chip on his shoulder. Jordan loves accumulating yep. grudges and uh, uses it as a motivating factor. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to give away too much about the Isaiah Thomas Jordan um, feud. Yep. But ultimately, Jordan used his influence and power. And this is ironic. Uh, Ten years after or eight years after this, they were picking the uh, U.S. Olympic team. And Jordan yep. had a lot more clout uh, than Isaiah Thomas did. And instead of Isaiah freezing Jordan out, Jordan froze Isaiah out and said to Chuck Daly and the rest of them, I'm not playing if Isaiah's playing. That's what I've heard. I'm curious how they handle that uh, in this show. And guess what? Isaiah was not on that team. So No, but Christian Leitner was. No, well, that's a joke in and of itself. Kristen Leitner should not have been on that team. It would have been Shaquille O'Neal, and everybody knows it. All right, so uh, we're going to close down our reminiscence of that first year with this. And, Kevin, I'm almost positive. I can't say for certain, but I'm almost positive you were with me uh, at the last game of the year. And the Bulls played, um, and I think we were up in the second balcony, and they were in the playoffs. This time I bought the tickets, uh, and uh, they they were – Really? Yeah, they were. You went cr- into your hip pocket for some tickets. Okay. Yeah, I went in the pocket for the ticket. Crummy seats, by the way. Uh, and the Bulls were playing the Bucks, uh, and uh, the Milwaukee Ooh. Bucks were actually pretty good back then. Well, they're good now, but they were they back then. They yeah. were lording over my beloved Bulls, uh, and the Bulls was their first playoff appearance in a couple years, and Jordan had carried them into the playoffs, and. Um, uh, the Bulls lost that game at home to the Bucks, uh, and uh, thus ending Michael Jordan's uh, season. But there was a fight. I don't know if you remember this, and I think I may have told Paul McKeskey, one of the Bulls, Pop Paul McKeskey, who was the center for the Bucks, bloodied his, bloodied his, bloodied nose. his nose. Yeah, and the fans were chanting, uh, you are Paul McKeskey, <laughs> you are ugly. Paul Mc- I remember that, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, we were there. Uh, Paul McKeskey, you are ugly. You are ugly. We couldn't win the game, but we won the fight. All right? So, uh, you know. Uh, so Wow. Yeah. So we, after walking out of that game, Kevin, would you have any way of predicting that Michael Jordan's career would end up where it was? No. No. No, even when it was going along, you just kind of figured at some point 
it, it just can't go on. It just can't go on forever. But you know what? Had it not been for those two mysterious off seasons, um, it, it it may have gone on two more. Um, in fact, not maybe. It would have. It would have. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and the other thing back then was, you know, let's, let's not forget, Jordan didn't come into the league and start winning championships. It took a maturation period. They had to get by Milwaukee, you know, they, and then ultimately, of course, they had to get by the Pistons. And, and that took, that took some doing. That took, you know, that took six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that took a while. So, um, uh, and, and it wasn't until he hit that shot against Elo, um, even though people talk about the 63-point 63, 63 game in the Garden against Boston, but it really wasn't until he hit that shot against Elo, for me, that it really meant, okay, now, now you can see the trajectory. I'm with you 100%. They didn't win the 63-point yeah. game. They won that game. No. And by the way, I watched the 63-point game not long ago. I a cry for help. Uh, I was up late night watching it. Uh, and um, I've watched it three times, I want to say, since I saw it originally. And there's a moment at the end of the game. I think it's, it's it was a double overtime game. I think it was the end of the first overtime mm-hmm. where Jordan – it was tied, and Jordan had the ball with with the clock ticking out, and he had Charles Oakley under the basket. And if he passed mm. the ball to Oakley, it would have been a layup. And Jordan did not pass the ball to Oakley; he took the shot. And I'm here. It mm. is thirty years later. I'm screaming, "Pass the ball, though!" <laughs> <laughs> we would have beaten the Celtics, but you know he wasn't ready. Kevin, you know what I'm saying? Right. He didn't trust right. Oakley. It was right. all about Jordan. And he took the shot, missed it, and then they lost in the next one. So uh he you know, it was it's been yeah. nice. He wasn't always the greatest. You know what I'm saying? No. 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 It takes time. Like Ta- I said, it's a maturation. It's a it's a process of maturation. All right. Well, that's a good, uh, a goodest point ever to leave it. Kevin, thanks so much for giving me your time. Uh, one of my oldest, dearest friends, Kevin Blackstone. And, oh, thanks uh, for yeah, thanks for inviting me. This is great. And uh, when you want to do, you know, a, a bullet thing, just let me know. <laughs> um, uh, I'm available. More uh, uh, the Mystics, uh, the reigning <laughs> WNBA champions, the Mystics. Huh? Uh, you know what I may do. Uh, now I'm thinking about this. We uh, we'll bring you back at the end of the show. All right, we'll do another one on the Bulls. We'll just keep doing Bulls one. I got news for you, Kevin. There's no real sports coming for a long time. So uh, if we do one on the Bulls, right we'll do one on the Bulls. It'll be a really short show. Uh, not a lot of highlights. <laughs> all right, that's the great oh, Kevin Blackstone. Right. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right. All right, be good, man. Take care, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.